What's up, guys? Welcome to the Trending Now podcast. I'm your host, Faye Kundari, and I'm here with Professor Hannah Gabriel. Today, we're going to be talking about the debt ceiling, how it's evolved over time. We'll talk about more recent like news about it, why Congress is uh, divided about it. Uh, but before we get started, I wanted to give Professor Gabriel the chance to introduce herself and give us like a brief summary of her background. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So my name is Professor Hannah Gabriel. I'm in the economics department here at Sac State. This is my third year at Sac State. So I'm originally from Illinois, and I went to school in Wisconsin and graduate school at Michigan State uh, University. And so um, that's where I received my PhD in economics, specializing in the fields of international economics, so international trade, and macroeconomics, which is where the knowledge about the debt ceiling comes from. So at Sac State, I teach classes on macroeconomics and international, and so I'm happy to be here to, to explain some of these topics. Great, great. Thank you for being on. I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, let's get, let's get started with the first question. So can you like break down in a way that the average college student would be able to understand what the debt ceiling is? Yeah, absolutely. So for the sake of, of simplicity, we're going to assume that the U.S. government is just like a giant person. So they, you know, they can buy, they can spend money on things. And so what the debt ceiling does is it places a limit on how much debt you can incur as the federal government in the U.S. So it's almost like a credit limit on a credit card. And so, you know, once your debt reaches a certain amount, then you have the high, then you have the possibility of default. And that's when things start to get really scary because... When a country defaults on its debt, that becomes a huge problem. And we see that in, in countries around the world. Okay. And so the way to think about the debt is, um, so the government is, again, just like a household, it has a budget, it has an income, and then it has things that it spends itself, or that it spends on. Okay. And so for the government, income is tax revenue, basically. So all of the tax that it gets from people and corporations around okay. the U.S. Okay. So I like I like how you broke it down like so it's like if I had a credit card and uh there's a limit like they give me like maybe $2000 and this is the limit that I can spend from that. So if I went above if I went past that that's where the debt comes from, right? Exactly. So if you go past that that's where the default risk the default, comes okay, in. Okay. So the debt is just the number of debt that you have. And okay. so you can have that as a as a private citizen, you can borrow as much money as you want, but you're going to have to pay it back. Okay. And so what, you know, what a limit on that does is it's kind of like a check on you personally. Okay. And so, you know, you're not bound by your credit limit technically. You can always kind of get around it. And the government's kind of the same way where okay. you start to hit the ceiling you're going to have to find a creative way to get get around that. Okay. So as an individual, I know where I'm borrowing the money from, right? Exactly. I know it's from the from the bank. So my follow-up question would be who who is the government borrowing from? You can borrow from other countries. Okay. Um and it's not just the US. So a lot of countries do that around the world. They'll they'll take on foreign debt. And so the way that kind of works is that the U.S. government can just spend money and then and then someone else will, will kind of just take on the debt and they'll mm -hmm. loan money to the U.S. And it's typically okay. done at a country level. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it comes down to understanding the difference between a deficit and the debt. Okay. So the deficit is just in any given year, the difference between your income and, and your spending. Yeah. Okay. 
And so if it's negative, so if you spend more than you get each year, that's a deficit. Okay. And if you don't, if you save, that's a surplus, okay. just like a house, okay. a household. Uh, and so when you accumulate multiple deficits, so year after year, you're spending more than you make, that's how you get a large amount of debt. Okay. So debt is the total amount that you owe. Okay. I guess that's where the ceiling then comes because you're going to have to pay that money back somehow, right? Exactly. And when, you know, recently we've seen rises in interest rates, that's okay. causing the crisis to get a little bit more real because as interest rates rise, the amount you have to pay back goes up. Okay. Um, and so that's that's why the crisis is kind of starting to happen again. Okay, okay so that my next question, I guess, would be where does the, the money go? Like, why is it that the government spend so much more than it makes every year to the point that the Congress has to have this discussion of increasing or keeping it where it is? Like, what takes most of the the, the spending overboard, I guess? No, that's a great question. Um, so you think about all the stuff that the government spends money on. A lot of that, you know, is stuff that you just don't even notice. So there is, you know, the salaries of all the government workers, mm -hmm. the military um, salaries, as well as military spending is okay. part of the federal budget. Um, you know, foreign aid is a small amount of the U.S. budget, so that's not that's not a whole lot of spending. And then there's things like roads, highways, airports. All of that type of infrastructure comes out of the U.S. federal budget. Okay. Um, so the big one, I think, is the salaries of government workers and national defense, and then Medicare and Social Security. All of those spending habits have grown over time. You know, there are. Um, more old people. <laughs> there is uh -huh. an elderly population that's growing in the United States. That's more social security payments that are mm -hmm. that are government payments. Yeah. And so and there's also, you know, more Medicare, which is the health care for the senior citizens mm -hmm. in the US. Okay. That makes sense. So one of the terms that I've heard or when I was looking up like, okay, what the division of uh, how the government spends it is like the difference between like public debt and then like intra-governmental debt. I think that's kind of what you were touching on, like the entitlement programs and uh, spending on roads and all of those sort of things. So you would say most of the spending goes towards like uh, taking care of like the elderly. And then um, I think public debt, when I was looking that up, was maybe debt that the public holds. I, I don't know if you can explain a little bit about what that is. Yeah, public debt is kind of, it's it's the debt held by a government. Um, and so, you know, it's not like someone's going to knock on your door and ask for your share. Okay. So it's not a direct, you know, personal responsibility of anyone. But it is a nice way to kind of visualize or understand how much is the government spending per person in the economy. Okay. And so sometimes you'll see, you know, debt share per household. I think they have the, the federal debt tracker, mm -hmm. that clock in Washington, D.C., that shows, you know, what the size of the debt is and how much that is per, per person. And it's some, you know, exorbitant amount right now. Mm -hmm. And so while it's not an obligation that you personally have taken on, your government has and you're part of, you know, your country. And so yeah. that means that, you know, it becomes everyone's problem just in a way that you kind of um, think about it. So, you know, it is something to be aware of. But again, it's not any sort of personal obligation. It is the government's obligation. Okay. My next question would be, if the if the debt ceiling, it's clearly a big issue on a political level. Why is the why is there a divide in Congress? Like, what what's the position that maybe the Democrats hold, and what's the position that the Republicans hold? Uh, is this an issue that one side is responsible in terms of how big the debt is now, or is this like 
everyone has kind of gotten us to where we are right now and now we're trying to scramble to figure out a solution for that. No, that's an excellent question, especially given how polarized the U.S. political system is. We have two major political parties, and this is an issue that they each agree is very, very important and agree and, and they disagree on how to tackle it. And mm-hmm. so the history kind of of the debt ceiling was that it was imposed. We didn't have a debt ceiling until like the ni- until 1917 okay. when um, Congress just said, okay, this is the limit of, of how much we can, we can have as our debt. And so what happens is because the government um, has an income and it has spending, the income is the tax revenue. So I, I had mentioned that earlier, but all the taxes that it gets from you, all the federal taxes from everybody when you work and you see your paycheck, you know, gross income, income net taxes, all that, you know, federal tax, not state tax goes towards the U.S. government times 300 whatever million pop, uh, citizens mm-hmm. plus all the corporate taxes that they get. And so that's their income. And and then they spend it on all the stuff we talked about before, the roads and the infrastructure. And so there are two ways to cause a deficit to go down, to eliminate the deficit. So if, you know, a deficit is just taxes minus spending, and mm-hmm. if that's a negative number, you want to get that to go to be smaller. Yeah. So you can either collect more tax revenue, raise incomes mm-hmm. of, the, of the federal government, or you can cut your spending. Okay. And so the Democrats have argued that because the Republican uh, administrations have cut taxes for both people and corporations, their main argument is that the income is, is too low. The U.S. should have a higher income if we raise taxes. Now, they won't say that because raising taxes is not a very not popular. popular. Um, <laughs> but but the, the nuance is there that if yeah. we increased the government's income, we wouldn't have a deficit because, you know, they'd have more tax mm-hmm. revenue. And so th- from the Democratic point of view, um, the Republicans are to blame because they cut tax revenue. They cut the income. Okay. Now, from the Republican side um, perspective, it's almost the exact opposite. So they've argued that the spending is out of control. Okay. So some of these social safety nets are, are too large or they're spending too much money on, on you know, workers in Congress or, or Medicare. Okay. And so what they argue on the Republican perspective is that no, 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 it's not because the income is too low. It's because the expenses are too high. Mm. So we should cut expenses to, to lower the deficit. Okay. And so it's the exact opposite approach. And, and so that's kind of where it becomes highly politicized. So do you want to change taxes or do you want to change government spending? And that's where the two political parties disagree. Mm. Fundamentally from their, you know, like political ideologies they disagree on that and so this is a nice like concise manifestation of of their differences and beliefs Mm. yeah that's interesting i guess they'd have to they have to figure figure it out because like i think about it like everyday america like in my personal life if i see okay i i'm not able to save as much as i could before i'm gonna have to figure out i'm actually kind of going through that process right now where i'm i'm making money uh, the pay is not enough, so I'm kind of thinking either I have to stop spending on maybe, let's say, gas, or I have to get a new job to make more money. But I can't stop spending on gas because I come to school almost every day. Right. So I have to uh, make more money. But at the same time, I could cut maybe going out and my friends. Maybe I can reduce, yeah. reduce the spending on that. So I guess 
the compromises, I guess, what has to be done. Exactly. And so, you know, the Democrats would say, oh, get get the other job that pays more. And the Republicans would say, oh, no, just stop going out. You know, and that's kind of like down into one sentence what yeah. the differences and the beliefs are. But in, you're right. In reality, you're going to have to do both. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the element, the truth is somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, so you can cut down on some extraneous stuff. But also, you know, maybe add in some some additional income if you can, you know. Yeah. Okay. So the next question would be, if they don't find the compromise that we we said would make sense, right? Do you go more into how that would affect the economy and how that would affect like everyday Americans? Does that personally like affect how we live if they are not able to come to some sort of compromise to increase or cut spending? Yeah, absolutely. So. The risk of default, again, I always want to say with a, you know, <laughs> with a caveat that, you know, I'm not, you know, the end all be all say on this, but mm -hmm. it's very unlikely that the U.S. will default. Okay. Never say never, of course, but, but that's my opinion. And so what would happen then is we would have what is effectively a government shutdown. So this happened, um, there, there have been several debt ceiling crises throughout the U.S. history, um, and then the one that, you know, I think was the worst or among the worst was the one in 2013, I believe, mm -hmm. when this happened and they weren't able to agree on on a budget um, and they were, you know, very close to the debt ceiling. And so what happened was they basically shut down the government, meaning government workers were furloughed. They weren't paid. Mm -hmm. um, they closed the national parks. They weren't fixing or repairing any highways, things like that, because while those those are government expenses, you just, you know, you shut them down, you don't have to pay them. Um, and so that's kind of the immediate solution. And it's, you know, very short term, obviously, we do yeah. need government workers. Mm -hmm. But that's the way to kind of prove how important it is to come to some sort of compromise. That's kind of a dramatic um, outcome. Yeah. But that's the most likely outcome if they don't reach an agreement is a shutdown. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it saves money, you don't have to pay them, but, but it's also a huge mess and, yeah. and it's very unpopular and it gets a lot of media coverage when you do something like that. It's very visible. Um, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, to the people who get furloughed and, not, and they're not getting paid, they have families to take care of too. So people would be like, yeah. And so is... then everybody's like, get it together, Congress, you yeah. know, <laughs> or, you know, um, get it together, government and then figure this out. Mm. And so it is it is a way to pressure the government into figuring it out is, is the um, shutdown. And that happens in other countries too, um, for budgetary reasons or political differences, things like that. Um, we see this um, a little bit around the world. So several countries do have debt limits or debt ceilings, um, but the U.S. is very different in that their debt ceiling is a nominal amount. It's a number. Mm -hmm. So they can't hit X dollars of debt. Whereas in other countries around the world, their debt limit is a percentage of GDP. Okay. And so that's allowed to change as GDP changes. But when you have a hard number, you hit it pretty fast because, you know, you have rising interest rates, you have inflation, you have all of these things that cause, you know, the value of the dollar to go down and then there's the size of your debt to go up. And so, you know, the fact that it's such a hard line in, in nominal terms is why we have these crises, arguably more often than we should. Um, and it just comes down to kind of the structure of our of our debt ceiling. Interesting. So Congress, it would like you talked about the how it would be affected in terms of them not being able to we not being able to use like public parks because the workers are going to be followed and all of that. And then the interest rate, I can imagine that would affect us personally in terms of people. Let's say you want to get a loan 
to like buy a car, get a car or an apartment. Things are already expensive as they are now. Like college students, we stay in the commons and all that type of stuff. So I can imagine if they don't figure it out that those t- uh, type of things would get more expensive for us to, to manage. Yeah. Um, so all of the problems that, that we're facing, you know, as, as people trying to spend and, and you guys as, as college students are happening on a very large scale for the U.S. government. But you can argue, you know, that the stakes are very high for each household to try and make their budget, you know, mm. work month ever after month. Uh, how come the government can't do it? You know, and yeah. so it's if everybody, you know, has to balance this, this isn't some brand new concept that that, you know, they're just discovering that you have to have, you know, some limit on your on your debt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it is it is a very you know tricky situation to be in. And it's kind of just spiraled out of control. So now it's just something that's just this huge juggernaut of a problem that they keep you know by raising the debt ceiling what you're basically doing is kicking the can down the road and saying well we'll we'll raise it but then we'll just keep taking on more debt and then we'll have this problem in three years or five years or however however much you increase it yeah um so any sort of structural change is going to be needed to stop this from continuing to be a problem if there's one thing that i've taken from this is that structural change would need to come from compromise. I think us as college students, we're the next generation. So we're looking at all these things. Some of us want to go into Congress. Some of us want to serve publicly as well. The best solution is to not let, I guess, political ideology come in, in between what's best for like everyday Americans. Uh, it's not one side's view that's completely correct or wrong. It's like, how can we genuinely figure out a way to make life easier for the people who are are living in this country so that people can just go about doing, you know, what they need to do, which is provide for their family, get their education, not wor- have to worry too much about the simple thing like buying gas or how am I going to pay my rent, things like that. So, um, yes, I've, I've definitely learned a lot. Is there anything that you want to add or is there, do you want to just leave your information where students could reach you? Uh, to ask more questions or get more information about. Yeah, so I'm happy to answer any questions people people might have about this sort of thing because it is something you see in the news a lot, um, and it is a you know kind of a nice parallel to just an everyday life. You see the government kind of doing the same thing that you're doing, um, so I'd be happy to have students email me. I'm sure um, it's on the economics department website. Okay. Um, otherwise, um, I'm sure it'll be linked. But yes, I will put a link uh, to her email after this. And uh, your office, your office. Uh, Absolutely, okay. yeah. I, I'm always happy to answer questions from from students, not just students in my classes, but um, anyone interested in economics, because econ tends to get kind of a bad rap mm. um, as the impersonal, dismal science that just is just bad news, bad news, interest rates, inflation, unemployment, all these things that get coverage. But there is so much more to that. There's this analysis component to the discipline of economics where we say, well, fundamentally, why is this happening? How can we fix it? Um, What are the effects going to be if we try to fix it in this way Mm -hmm. with this solution instead of this other solution? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is so much more to it than than be than saying unpopular things. Um, And so, you know, any sort of goodwill we can get as economists is is welcome. Okay. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, I want to say thank you again to Professor Gabriel for coming in. Uh, this was a very nice podcast. I was nervous, but we got through it. Um, oh, me too. <laughs> so um, 
Okay, any other information that you guys need on how to reach her, I will put in the link. Um, and then, uh, yeah, again, thank you for coming. And until next time, guys, bye-bye. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You're welcome.